from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. This week, we will be talking about career coaching for entrepreneurs. Uh, and this is uh, tied into the cybersecurity theme and, and education ecosystem uh, that we cover on this program in addition to uh, more technical cybersecurity topics. So in San Antonio, we're the second largest hub for cybersecurity outside the Washington, D.C. metro. Uh, this is both uh, public and private sector cybersecurity here. This is established businesses and startups. So if you're in the startup ecosystem, you're an entrepreneur on the cyber side, or you're just listening to the program tonight to learn a little bit more about cybersecurity, I'm joined by a, a real expert this week, and this is uh, what CyberTalk Radio is all about. It's uh, expert interviews on uh, their topic, and we will go uh, into a deep dive format. If you're not going to be able to stick with us here on the air for the full broadcast, this will go uh, up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com as well as onto your favorite podcasting service on Tuesday, September the 4th. Uh, if you find a podcasting service that you prefer and we are not getting our content there, find us on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know which service it is. We will figure out how to add our content and get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt. So this week, I'm joined by the uh, the doctor's doctor, uh, as I think what she's been called in the past. And then we will uh, go ahead and uh, let Michelle introduce yourself and uh, share a little bit about your background. Hi, great. Thanks for having me on. So yes, I am a physician by training. I also have a business degree with a concentration in healthcare administration. I'm a trained and licensed dietitian. Um, so my brain is probably worth more than my house, but that doesn't really get me far in this world. Um, so uh, about 15 years ago, I realized what I was trained to do was not what I wanted to do. And I really had no idea what I was going to do at that point. So, you know, once you're a professional, you have a professional degree and you get to the end of that road and you decide, hmm, hmm, this isn't what I thought or hmm, I don't like the work. What do you do? And that's where I was. So then this was back uh, quite a while ago now because you've been writing books and doing uh, all sorts of things that you do enjoy doing now for the better part of almost a decade. This is true, yes. This was in the early 2000s. So I sort of accidentally fell into starting my own business. I did not intentionally go out to create a business. I did what I do best, go back to school. Um, I also got a real job and worked for a medical device company, kind of leveraging my degree for a while, um, and then really tried to fill in the gaps in my education and um, tried to take it in a different direction, all the while kind of talking about how difficult it was as a professional with a professional degree transitioning into something else. And other people started to find me. Uh, I never anticipated that, but it was kind of a happy surprise for me because it really helped me to realize I wasn't a failure. And that's really what I felt like at the time. I felt like I had gotten this degree and gotten to the top of my professional uh, career and didn't know what I was going to do with it. And since then, I've heard that many professionals get to that point and feel the same way, and we all feel very alone. So uh, when I kind of figured it out, I made it my mission to help other professionals, and starting mostly with physicians, 
uh, understand that it's okay if you don't want to do what it is you're trained to do. And there are a lot of other things. Life is way too short to be doing something you hate. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, on the flip side of that, I feel like life is also long enough now to learn to do something new. If you go back a few generations before uh, all the medical professionals out there were helping us live longer and have much uh, healthier lives, uh, if you kind of had to go through high school, pick a college major, get that done, you get out of college and maybe you could work for 20 or 30 years in your field. And then it was kind of your body was worn out. It was time for retirement. But uh, I mean, nowadays, I think if you're eating right, exercising and doing things and genetically, maybe you, you uh, don't end up on one of those long tail um, disorders that happen to hit folks as you start to get up there in age, uh, 70, 80, you could still be working and, and uh, out there super actively. I mean, I guess I see folks like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger at, at uh, Berkshire Hathaway in their 80s and 90s. I think Charlie's 92 now and still going strong. So it, it's an interesting uh, kind of a thing to think about is that you go through this education and you start a career in it and find out, yeah, it's not for you. So um, the, you're not the only one, I think, going through this, as I guess you've learned in your coaching business over the, the last decade. So you said uh, you didn't intend to start a business. So you're coming out, you've, you've got your medical degree, you've worked for a medical device company. And, and what led you out? Did you get pulled into entrepreneurship or you started doing stuff on the side? How did this evolve? So it was purely accidental. I started talking about my story and really cold called an editor and told her I'd like to talk about how difficult it was to be a doctor and kind of the environment that a lot of doctors were finding themselves in. Burnout was just starting to be talked about and now physician burnout is in the news almost every day. But the editor thought my story was an interesting one and so she printed it. And that kind of snowballed. I ended up being a column I wrote on a monthly basis. Then I was invited to conferences. I spoke about my story and about other doctors that I knew. And really, people started to find me. Many doctors, triple-boarded physicians who had been practicing for 10, 15 years. And they would tell me that they didn't want to do what they were trained to do. And some of them had never wanted to do it. And you kind of just get on that train and you start going. And it's very hard to get off, whether you are on the train to become a physician or an attorney or really any other professional degree. Um, but that's interesting that you talk about people living longer because this is something that I've been also exploring very recently. And I guess someone at Harvard said the first person to live to 150 years old has already been born. So. Yeah, that's crazy. So you could go to college in your 90s, uh, graduate, and still have a 30- or 40-year career and a 10-year retirement at the end of it. Yeah, well, and you should. You should do different things in your career because who wants to do the same thing for 40 or 50 years? I, I don't think many people do. I mean, yeah, or, so let's see. You get out of medical school at 25, <laughs> and let's say you wanted a 25-year retirement at the end. So you could see patients eight minutes a time for – a eight minutes each for a hundred years as a GP. <laughs> wow. That sounds pretty miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is why some of the physicians out there are uh, struggling. Cause I mean, that's, I mean, my view of kind of what a lot of the medical practices have boiled down to at this point is you get to see a patient eight minutes at a time. Uh, yeah. 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 And on top of that, you have all kinds of paperwork that you have to do. So 
you are not really providing the kind of care that you're looking to do and that the reason that you went to medical school in the first place, just on many different levels. Yeah, and you don't get to see the the outcomes. This happens in, in many different careers. It's not even just limited to the computers and technology as well. People come to you when their computer's broken and they're having a hard time and they're upset and they're stressed out. And you might fix the computer, but you don't get to see, you don't get the thank you very often a week or two weeks later of, I'm glad I feel better now. I'm glad things are better now. And, and here's what I'm back up and doing again. So it, it's you, you get to see people on a bad day all the time. And you, you very rarely get to close the loop with them to find out what the impact of your um, work did to help them. Right, right. That continuity of care is very difficult to find nowadays. Um, there's a specialist for everything. There's different ways of providing that care and of delivering the different ways of uh, the healthcare system. And so, yes, you are absolutely right. And, and the patients suffer as well because they would like that continuity with their physician and they're not seeing it anymore. Yeah. So, so you ended up writing a book about this and going out and, and talking to folks. Um, and then people started reaching out to you. Yeah. So how did this translate into something that became your full-time? <laughs> yeah, so... As people reached out to me, I wanted to add some value to their lives. And so I just really helped them in the same ways that had helped me. I would tell them how to write a resume or help guide them on the best resources and the different options for doing that. Because, I mean, these are professionals who maybe have never had to put together a resume. And if you go to Barnes & Noble, there's an entire shelf on resume writing and resume books and what's the right resume to do. So just these different things that had helped me. And I was no expert at the time, for sure. In fact, I'll never tell my first client that he was my first client. Uh, although I did deliver value to him, it's still, I, it's not a good thing. Um, so yeah, I would give them good information. The individuals that I was talking to ended up making a lot of progress towards the direction they wanted to go, whether it was a career change or just an evolution of what they were doing. And so back in, I think, 2008, I put up a free website. It was those days of you just kind of pull out a template and put some stuff in and you've got a website and you're up and you look legitimate. And yeah. I guess I was more legitimate than some people, but it was a very, very low budget way of getting myself out there um, and just continued to offer very valuable information. And, and from that, it just grew. So it's like anything else. Um, anytime you are really providing that value and helping people, getting people results, you're gonna start to uh, grow as a business. And referrals and other people found me, and that's how it all happened. Yeah. So, yeah, this is one that uh, we've had some conversations with the program in the past about uh, military transition. So you may have a, a decorated officer, but that decorated officer has never written a resume. Right. They have a, a personnel file, and that personnel file gets used for their review and eligibility for the next position. And very similar with the, the physicians. It, you may get promoted up through the hospital system that you're working for. You may become the the lead for a department, you or you may be running your own practice where you're not writing a resume there. You may be having your marketing team put some stuff on your website about how good you are. Uh, but it, it's yeah, never one where you've gone out and uh, applied for a job in the same way. That's exactly right. In fact, I've helped several military folks transition to civilian life because there are a whole lot of commonalities there. And um, the learning how to network piece of it 
is, is another big one where you don't ever have to network in some positions. And when you get to the point where you need that networking in order to get your next position or to leverage some of your skill sets and figure out what is the right role for you, uh, you, you don't know how to do it. And it's not rocket science, but at the same time, if you've never done it, you haven't exercised that muscle. Yeah, and you're, you're going to go out and try to make that first impression. And if when we uh, go out and do something for the first time with no training and no background, uh, at least I know I don't ever do it well, um, it's going to be a big goof up. If you go back and listen to the uh, first episode of Cyber Talk Radio, uh, the good news is I had a great guest and he talked quite a bit. <laughs> Um, because if it wasn't for him, uh, that first program may have been a disaster. So uh, you're, you're helping folks go through, uh, build these fundamental skills. Uh, and as a doctor, you've proven that you have aptitude. You have ability to learn things. You've learned many things that are applicable outside of just practicing medicine in whichever specialty you went down through medical school and your residency. So how do you you walk them through thinking about using that in a different way? Yeah, so when a physician comes to me, he or she is really unsure about what to do and what are their options. So that's one of the most common questions I get are, what are my options? And a lot of times I have to throw the question back at them and say, well, what is it you want to do? because the options are endless. It's just like any other professional. Once you've gone through a professional degree program, you definitely have aptitude, intelligence, ability to do really whatever it is you want to do, but that's the key. What is it that you want to do? Because a lot of times people will fall into the trap of doing something that's easy and doing something they can do, and that's when they end up miserable again. And so one of the big things is let's not get you into a job a second job that you hate as much as your first job. Yeah. We have, if, if you're working in the job to make somebody else proud of you or to make someone else happy, that is not the long-term recipe for success. And if you're in school right now studying something that you don't enjoy, but you the only thing you enjoy is when you come home and somebody there uh, says, I'm really proud of how good you're doing at studying and learning X, uh, then really go back and rethink and revisit is this something that you can do for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years after you're you're done uh, learning in school uh, on this topic? I think this is why we see so many folks get a college degree, um, not a professional license, not up to law or, or medicine, but they don't end up working in anything related to that, that college degree. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's easy to fall into that trap because we all want that feeling of um, oh, I'm doing a great job or I'm on the right path. But that is absolutely true. I wish someone would have told me that um, there are a lot of things that I like to do. And had I explored those a little bit more, maybe things would have worked out differently for me. Now, I have no regrets because going to medical school was amazing. And I learned a lot of neat things. I still have many friends who are still practicing physicians. And I learned a lot through the process as well. But um, because of this, I am able to teach a course at Trinity University. I'm on faculty there as an adjunct, and I teach the course Innovations in Bioscience and Healthcare. It's a course for students who are pre-med or just interested in healthcare who are looking at all their options, and they think they want to be doctors. Um, as we know, there are many people who won't become doctors who think they will or who shouldn't become doctors yeah. or 
really who just need to know what their options are. And so that's what I'm able to do through that course is introduce them to the huge amount. There, I mean, there are so many different options for them if they're interested in healthcare. No, oh, it's uh, it's great that yeah, I mean, that's one door that it opened up for you. And you're not teaching at a medical school; you're teaching uh, in a broader biosciences and engineering program, is what it sounds like over there. And so it's it's not just going to a uh, a medical school and teaching with your medical degree that that professional level doctorate opens up all sorts of of other paths, um, which that is one of them. Right, exactly. And I mean, ultimately, I ended up getting into corporate wellness and did that for a number of years, which then led to consulting, um, which I still do a lot of, which led to starting the business, then another business. And I was named the entrepreneur in residence in 2016 for Trinity University. So I served in that capacity. So yeah, there, there are so many ways to translate your knowledge and experience and degree, no matter what it is. Yeah. So on the entrepreneurship path, so and all the way through medical school, it's it's very clear what you have to do from a requirement perspective to achieve the next step. Um, there's not a ton of ambiguity. It's I, I need to score this well on this test. I need to get these grades on these things. I need to check box X, Y, and Z, and then I will progress to the next step. Um, entrepreneurship is not that way. So w- walk me through as, as you're out there the first time uh, starting your own business. So you've, you've gone down the entrepreneurial path now and there's a lot of ambiguity and gray area in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. So that ambiguity is something that most professionals uh, try desperately to avoid. Uh, many of my physicians that I work with are terrified of doing anything that doesn't have a next logical step and kind of jumping through those hoops to get to where you want to be. And I've, I've found that to be true in other professions as well. Um, and I really experienced some of that too. It, it's, tough it's uncomfortable it's scary um, and you make a lot of mistakes and um, a lot of us fear failure and so that is another obstacle that we have to get through because you've got to embrace that failure in order to move forward many times and I try to do 10 things and one will work out and that's just the way it is and I think that's the way it is in life and the faster people learn that the more successful they're going to be, the faster, no matter what it is they decide to do. Yeah, which is almost the, the opposite of medicine, though, is if you saw 10 <laughs> patients that day and you got one diagnosis right, and the other nine you goofed up, Oh yeah, <laughs> you're not going to be practicing for very long. Right, right. Yeah. Very true. No, and, and I think, I mean, this goes uh, across all sorts of different areas. Most, in, uh, well, most of the time, uh, you're given tasks and objectives that you have the knowledge and skills to execute and do well all the way through school your teachers never give you an assignment in a class that 90 percent of the class is going to fail that this is an impossible assignment for nine out of ten people in the class to to get done but in entrepreneurship it really is that way as you said you try 10 things only one of them works so um, you just didn't know which one was the one that you were going to be able to add into your quiver per se and then and then use that going forward and you're going to go try 10 more things and then you're going to have two and then you you keep working your way through to find out i guess the mix of things that you can do well that create value for your customers um, but then you also enjoy doing right right yeah I, i think that's a dilemma for almost every entrepreneur who's trying to figure out how to move forward and what it is they want to do and That's the value of the minimum viable product, right? So creating something and then just getting it out there, knowing that it's not perfect and trying it out on who you think your target audience might be and either finding out that 
who you thought your target audience was isn't or that your product really isn't as great as you thought it was or maybe it's better than you thought it was. So all of those little things. And in fact, I'm going through that myself right now. I am scaling what I do. Um, I've just found it to be very limiting to do the hourly consulting and coaching work. And, and it's wonderful. It's very fulfilling and I still do a lot of it. But in scaling and growing my business, I've really been working towards uh, putting together online modules and an online membership where I can provide sort of a success vault for people just based on what's worked for other people and what worked for me and um, putting that out there. So really trying just different things to see what works and what resonates with people and what people don't like. So for those of you with us uh, on 1200 WAI, you may be wondering now, how do I get in contact with Michelle? Um, I'm ready to have some coaching advice, uh, some thoughts and feedback given. If you're uh, catching us on a podcast, uh, there's likely URLs and uh, things to her website and others uh, tied to the podcast. And if not, um, look up on the website at www.cybertalkradio.com and our blog post that will go up about this as well. Uh, where we'll have that info. But for those listening, uh, where do they go to find you? Yeah, so I'm all over the place. Um, you can Google me and see a bunch of stuff, different interviews and different places where I am. So I'm not hard to get in contact with. I do have a couple of websites, one aimed at physicians, uh, www.phphysicians.com. And then I have one for other professionals and others, military transition, corporate nine to fivers who want to do something different. And that's called Find Your Next Career, and you can find that as well. I'm also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and I have a career change dog who is kind of the mascot of everything, and uh, she has her own Facebook page and Instagram account, so that's kind of fun. That's nice. Yeah, they, uh, I, I like the, the marketing and branding. So where did you pick up and learn that along the way? Because they <laughs> certainly don't teach that in medical school. They do not teach that in medical school. That's right. Um, I read a lot. I, uh, I learn. I listen. I um, just try to take advantage of every opportunity. And so I must have picked it up along the way. Um, maybe I have some natural aptitude towards um, marketing. Maybe that should have been my first career. Maybe that'll be my fourth career. Your fourth career, yeah. <laughs> well, in, if you're going to be the one that lives to 150, you may have a fifth or a sixth career along yeah, the way. That's right. I think that'll be my son, not me. Yeah. So Dr. Michelle Mudge-Riley, if you're looking to uh, Google her name there, and you'll find uh, some different interviews. So uh, across all this time talking about this, do you have a favorite interview that you've gone and, and done that they should look up? A favorite interview? Well, shouldn't I say it's it's this one? No. <laughs> I, I really enjoy every different conversation that I have. They're all different. So I can't really point to just one as being my favorite. So politics will be your next career. <laughs> That'll be another one. <laughs> yes. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio. And uh, we're talking this week about uh, career coaching, success for entrepreneurs. Uh, how do you take your education? And if you've decided, wow, this is not the right thing for me after starting your a career, whether it happens to be in medicine or uh, military, maybe you're transitioning on to the next career, or you've just got a professional degree in something else and decided, you know what, it's time for me to do something new. If you've just turned the radio on now, uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this on Tuesday, September the 1st, uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, as well as on your favorite podcasting service. If you cannot find our program on, on that podcasting service, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know uh, 
where you like to listen to podcasts, and we will send you a T-shirt for helping us discover uh, yet another place out there where we could be helping listeners uh, learn and uh, grow and maybe move on to the next thing in their life. Uh, We're going to be taking a a quick break here at the bottom of the hour uh, for a news, traffic, and weather update. We will be uh, back after that break uh, to uh, give some real-world practical tips. So let's uh, if you're thinking about making those changes right now, stick with us, and uh, Michelle and I are going to talk through where can you go from here and uh, maybe share a a couple of real-world stories and examples of folks that were thinking about taking that leap and uh, made it and have moved on to a spot now where they are um, living that fulfilling life that they've uh, thought that they could. security veteran. I'm joined this week by Dr. Michelle Mudge-Riley, who's a, a licensed physician, um, but that's not what she does for her day job anymore. Uh, we're here talking about that day job uh, where she's helping uh, folks find their entrepreneurial spirit, figure out uh, how to take their uh, STEM education, maybe their military career, and uh, transition that into the next career for them. Because uh, If you're just joining us now, uh, before the break, uh, we talked about how um, she had had a conversation where the was it a physician at Harvard or in the medical school there said that the first person that's going to live to 150 has already been born yeah I think that's pretty uh, well-known advice now you probably google it and find it yeah so with that happening uh, the odds of us having just one career these days is uh, is is becoming slim and none Um, and and so with that as you're making a career transition uh, in this segment, we're going to go through and give some some real tips. So uh, kind of step one, I guess, for me, step one would be figure out what the heck do I want to do. That <laughs> seems like a really hard step, though. That's a big step off a cliff for, for maybe many of us. And you just look over that cliff, and it's uh, it's not the cartoons, though, where you fall to the bottom of the cliff and you bounce and get up. So Hopefully how not. do you avoid that fall? Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the most common questions right at first is, what are my options? And what are my options will really vary depending on who you are, what you've done, what you want to do. I've learned over the years just doing this for over a decade that there's really a five five stages that people go through when they're thinking about changing careers or jobs. Um, Stage one is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy all the time. I'm angry. I'm lashing out at my kids or my spouse or my friends. Um, but I'm, I'm really not sure why, and uh, I know it's not my job, and you know I just want to be mad. Um, then kind of coming to the realization that maybe it is my job, my work, this something isn't working, but you know, I really do not want to go through the job search, and I am it's not exhausting. going to. It is, yeah, thinking about all the time, what am I going to do? I already have this degree, or I already have all this experience. I don't want to move. I'm not getting out my resume. So that's kind of stage two. And then at some point, if you're still continuing along this path, you move into stage three, which is, 
all right, I know it's my job. I know that what I'm doing is not working and I know I have to make a change. And all right, let me get out my resume. Let me get on LinkedIn. Let me dust off that profile, maybe put up a more recent picture and really start looking at what all my options are. And stage three really lasts for a pretty long time for most people. They're busy talking to people. They're starting that networking. You know, it starts real slow where you talk to some friends like, hey, do you like your job? Uh, yeah, you don't either. Well, you know, what do we do? Oh, you talked to Stephanie the other day. Oh, cool. I'm gonna go talk to her too. And kind of just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you start to get a little bit of traction. And um, then maybe you start thinking, gosh, I always wanted to be a dentist. And so let me look that up. And what would that take? And um, then you start to realize, yeah, that's not the road I'm going down. So, uh, well, so I have a finance background. So what can I do with that? And um, then kind of looking at different options and really hoping that there's something that there might might be a little bit more non-traditional or something that you haven't considered before. So really just a lot of different roads that people start going down and exploring. And through this, you're updating your resume, your LinkedIn profile, and um, hopefully targeting some companies that might hire you. Because as you start to get some focus, then that's when you start moving into stage four. And you've got a lot more focus, a lot fewer distractions, and you're actually doing some interviewing. So figuring out, all right, do I really want to work for this company after I talk to them for the first time? And um, is it a good fit? And, and they're figuring out if they want to work with you as well. And then, you know, you kind of go into more and more interviews. And um, once you start getting some offers and starting that negotiation process, you move into stage five. And it's very interesting because once people are thinking about making a career change and then or even a, a big job change and then it becomes a reality, and there's actually an offer on the table or multiple offers, you'd be amazed at the amount of people that decide they're not going to do it at all. And um, so there's a whole process there even at the end of it where, you know, your dreams have come true, (laughs) where you you may not go down that road. Yeah, you you get to that that last one there, and uh, you have a career now, and you may not be happy in it, uh, but you get some validation, whether it's financially, uh, whether it's socially, uh, and you're saying yes to this new thing is going to change all of that. And maybe you make more money in this new one, maybe, than you did before. And then you have some questions, well, why didn't you do this five years ago <laughs> um, from, from the financial reward side? But from the, the, the you have a peer group in your current line of work, in your current uh, profession and career and if you change to something else that peer group changes and society may look at things differently like whether a, a doctor or a corporate wellness advisor as you I'm sure had these people are going why did you decide to go make that change right right yeah you do have to get used to answering that question um, both for yourself and for others and really figuring out what's going to be right for you and your family Um, One of the best things you can do starting out is figuring out where you want to be in one, three, five, and 10 years. And if where you're headed now and the path that you're on is not going to get you there, it's time to make a change, whether that change is a job change, a career change, or maybe even just a geographic change. So it doesn't always have to mean a career change, but looking ahead, and there's so many people who are just reactive with their lives and things just come at them and they react and 
it's it's hard not to be with so much coming at us all the time so much noise but if you can really be proactive about where you want to be whether it's in a certain geography whether it's making a certain amount of money whether it's a certain work-life balance and work towards getting there that will put you in a better situation no matter what you decide to do yeah no it, so uh, for folks that have always lived on the reactive side are there any exercises or things that you uh, help them through in order to figure out that one, three, and five year? Forgetting, I'm going to put pause on 10 years for a second. Well, at least with um, most folks, as you said, completely reactive. So getting out to five seems like a challenge. Getting to 10, I don't even know if they can picture anything other than I want to be on a beach somewhere drinking a Mai Tai, but you don't really actually want to do that. 365 days a year either it, right yeah you'll start to go crazy <laughs> that's right that's right um well so if you are, feel like you're one of those people who lives in a reactive state the whole time one of the best things you can do for yourself is to make a conscious effort to be purposeful about thinking about what what you want out of your life and thinking about if you are working towards that and and it's that simple really um you don't have to do anything with that information but if you really want to, at some point you will. So a lot of people, again, that stage one, stage two, will go through that exercise and shelve it for a while. Um, maybe there are too many other things going on. They've just had a baby. They've just moved. They're in you know, big life changes. You don't want to make other changes during those. Um, but at some point, if what you're doing really, really isn't working for you, you will keep coming back to that and it will remind you that you need to do something and you will. Yeah. So, and, and this is, uh, we've been talking uh, so far kind of about uh, change by choice. Uh, it, do you work at all with folks that sort of end up in, in change not by choice and I'll uh, use a, a movie uh, action, the superhero thing, the Doctor Strange. So surgeon kind of uh, over the top, got himself in a car wreck, ruined his hands, can't can't do surgery anymore so he was forced into a career change there um he had some anger and coping issues and problems with that all through the the whole comic book series and the movies if you've seen the movies i'm certain this happens to to folks out there as well where change gets thrust on them uh yes if you were a surgeon and you got parkinson's or something else you're not going to be doing surgery anymore so um do you work with folks on, on those forced transitions in, in addition to ones by choice Yes, I do. Uh, the majority of people have an interest in being proactive and changing themselves and so, or changing their situation, maybe not changing themselves. That's the wrong terminology. But yes, I've also worked with a number of people who have had change thrust on them. And um, those individuals find me through some of the work that I do with contracts through various companies. So um, they are introduced to me maybe in a way that they may not want to be at first, but some of them are excited because if you think about it, your work is something that gives you that sense of self-worth. And if you're not able to do work for whatever reason, even if you are getting a, a payout for some reason, if you're on a disability claim or something, um, just sitting around all day probably isn't going to cut it, especially for those type A personalities who yeah. have already gone through a, a professional program. Um, so, yes, um, 
there are definitely situations that I've worked with people who have been in that situation. Yeah, because I mean, this uh, is you you have that kind of change thrust upon you from like on the the, the physician side of things, where for whatever reason you can't uh, practice medicine the same way you used to. But for our, our transitioning military veterans, when they transition out um, and they get aged out in a lot of cases, like you can't actually continue maybe doing something that you love anymore. Uh, and that transition gets forced on you there or um, through uh, here in San Antonio as well. We see um, many of them with BAMC here, a lot of the folks that have a career change thrust on them from uh, their service to our country and the injuries that they sustained during that service. Yeah, that, that military town USA right here, right yes. here where we are. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and they may have achieved a lot of great things, led teams of 300 or more people and really enjoyed their work and loved it and never wanted to make that change yeah so it is often a very difficult time for them and while I went through feelings of failure for not wanting to do what it was I was trained to do they equally go through feelings of um, just uncomfortableness and fear and really uncertainty as they're contemplating what they can do with their experience and how to lead and how to serve and how to really use that and um, to bring value to a lot of other people. Yeah. So uh, these five stages. So is this something we'd sit down we go through a stage on Monday and a stage on Tuesday and a stage on Wednesday and by Friday we've got it all knocked out and done? Maybe you can do that. That'd no. be awesome. Okay, yeah. So uh, what's, what is a realistic timeline? Of, and, and maybe you have an example story that you could tell without naming names of, of someone who kind of gone through all five stages with you. Sure, yeah. Um, so a typical timeline, a short timeline is going to be four months. Um, the, it's six months to a year is generally the timeline that people go through in this. And the reason that's the case is because you can't drag this out forever. Um, if you are putting it off or if you're not able to make decisions or if you're not able to move forward on things, then it just gets very old very fast for everyone. Um, so that's the typical timeline, six months to a year. Um, there are cases where people will be planning ahead and they will come and work with me five years in advance and, and things will move a little bit slower. Um, I can tell you that people will um, start out a little bit worried about the time that they have to put into it. So um, thinking that it may take an hour a week when in reality this is close to a full-time job looking at this transition or figuring this out if you really want to do it right in the time that it takes to um, do the practical things like resumes and LinkedIn profiles and things that are necessary. But there are also the networking aspects of it, reaching out to people, having them get back to you, um, having meetings, reflecting on that. Figuring out how to leave your practice and go have lunch with somebody. Right. And yeah, letting right. letting your staff know that I'm not seeing patients until 1.30 in the afternoon every Tuesday now because I'm going to go do a lunch once a week. Maybe. Yeah. And, and it's not even that easy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all kinds of different questions. And, and how do I tell people? whether you're a military person who's transitioning and what do I tell people and how do I talk about this to um, being a doctor or an attorney who's thinking about transitioning to something completely different, yeah. maybe a chef or an entrepreneur or even going to school to do something else. I've had doctors become attorneys, attorneys become nurses, nurses become entrepreneurs. It's There's no perfect career out there. And, and that's a big thing for people to know that 
no job is perfect and no career is perfect. And they aren't ever going to be. And so just realizing that sometimes is half the battle for people. And, and maybe they'll stay in their current career. And there are a number of people that I work with that ultimately decide to stay. And it's not because they've gotten an offer and turned it down and couldn't take it and decided not to transition, but because they realized what I'm doing now is okay. You go out and re- walk through this process. You may be able to fall in love again with what it was that drew you to to get all the way through medical school to begin with or all the way through law school because uh, you're not doing either of those if you weren't passionate and excited about it at some point in time. It's too hard. It's too much work. Yeah, or maybe you realize that there's a different way that you could be doing it or that the grass is not greener. So it is hard to make a career or a job change. And if you're not planning for it, if you're not able to take the time to put into figuring all this out and the mental energy and the emotional stress of it, then it's it's easier sometimes to stay where you are and, and maybe it isn't as bad as you thought. Yeah. So one of the things you'd mentioned as well is the, the ge- geographic change. So if I'm here in San Antonio and you go, you know what, I've always wanted to live in Italy. Is there Are there tips for how do you build a remote network so that you can find something there that you can transition to when you make the move? Yeah, so I've gotten this question before um, and similar questions, which is actually driving a tangible um, piece to my business and um, an aspect for people who want to be expats, so who want to live abroad and who want to experience that life. Um, So the advice that I would give, just because I have personal experience helping some others who are interested in it, is to find out as much as you can about that other country that you might want to live in and how your skills and degree might translate because they do translate differently. So I'm an osteopathic physician. An osteopathic physician is not a physician in some countries, some other countries. Uh, We are only able to do certain things. We're not able to prescribe medicine and um, do surgeries like we are here in the United States, although our educations are equal to MDs. Yeah. Um, It's the same for dietitians. Um, It's the same for engineers. So just look at the country that you want to move to and how you might be able to use those skills and what's available. And then think about what it is you want to do. So if you're wanting to do something completely different, that's another story. Maybe you're wanting to open an ice cream shop in, in another city and you, or another country and you are um, an attorney by training. And um, so then you just have to kind of do the research on what it's like to open another, um, to open a business. And if you even can, because there are certain permits that are required, certain Um, You may not be able to open a business in a country if you were not born there and you don't have citizenship. So lots of things to consider. Um, It doesn't mean you shouldn't look into it if that's something that you want to do because you'll always wonder. Um, But it's definitely a process. And it's it's, yeah. back to, as you mentioned earlier, this is not something that in an hour on Google, you're just going to figure it all out and be done. This is (laughs) something that if if you really want to do this, you're going to have to commit to putting significant amount of time in as as yeah, as you mentioned, the, the transitioning of credentials made me think about someone that I worked with where. Uh, she uh, was an attorney in Europe and then came to the U.S. and then had to go back through additional law school here before she could even sit for the bar exam again. Um, but she loved practicing law and has gone and done all those things and is uh, practicing as an attorney here now in the, the U.S. But, um, it, it goes both ways with that transition of credentials. Yes, absolutely. Doctors will contact me who have been um, foreign trained and they experience the same thing yeah. so there are certain sets of boards exams that need to be taken and passed and 
um, different practical experience that needs to be obtained. So, yep, it's the same for physicians. So we've talked quite a bit about uh, folks looking to make that second transition. But if, if you go back and if maybe we can um, rewind and offer some advice to uh, whether the high schoolers out there or whether these are parents of high schoolers uh, or if the, you're in college now and you're still maybe in your first or second year of college and you're not really pinned down where you, you have to go a, a specific route, you could still major in a handful of different things or maybe even a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, so that's an exciting time, really. I would encourage you, if you are one of those students, to pursue a lot of different things and try different things. Being a student is is a blessing in many ways because you're able to make mistakes and you're able to get a lot of different jobs without prior experience and really even just talk about trying stuff and it's accepted and, in fact, it's embraced. And so... Try things that you haven't tried that you think you might not be good at. If you are a pre-med student, maybe go and try something in computer science and get a job doing some coding and maybe even take some coding courses. It may not sound like that much fun, but try it and see what you think. And no matter what, you're going to be better at what you ultimately end up doing because you will have another skill set and appreciation for something that is a little bit different. So what I've found is that different tools will provide you with um, different ways of looking at your own situation and in fact I know people who have done just that and pre-meds have become computer science majors and gone off and had very successful computer science careers and um, they never would have thought that they would have done that originally. Yeah and I mean it's it's interesting as well now if you maybe aren't a pre-med major but if you're listening to this and go you know what maybe I, I do want to go into medicine you don't necessarily have to major in biology to go to medical school. I think there's a misconception about that out there as well. Oh that's absolutely right and in fact most of the doctors that I know that are still really happy being doctors did not start out in biology or chemistry or physics and just go that route. They were very well-rounded and did a lot of other things. Maybe they went back and did medicine as a second career. And interestingly, through the work that I've done, I found that people who are in their second careers, no matter what it is, are usually happier than those who chose it the first time. Um, So second careers, doctors are generally happier than first. um, I mean, that's a a large generalization. Yeah, but. no, I've been, but if, if I just think at macro levels, this basically says we're better at decision-making for long-term decision-making in our 30s or 40s than we were at 16 to 18. Yeah. Not, yeah. not surprising. <laughs> Again, not rocket science. None of this is. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so one item we have not talked yet about is salary. So if you have time in a career, generally you've progressed and you're making better money than when you started. If you're going to go back and do a second career, you might have additional schooling, which is going to cost money again, and then you're going to start over from a salary perspective, or are you not? This is a question I get asked all the time, and people are very interested in knowing the answers to what kind of money can I make and uh, do I have to start again from entry level and, and the associated salary? And the, I mean, the answers are all across the board, as you might think. So there isn't just a one black and white answer. But in general, people can often make more in another career than what they're currently making. 
And so if money is your primary motivator and that's what you're looking for, then that is a good reason to change careers or jobs because it can happen. Um, and I'll use physicians as one example. Most people think doctors make a, a lot of money and they really think that a doctor has it set once they start practicing. But that's really far from the truth. Doctors do not make a ton of money. They definitely make more than many careers. And to some people, it may, it, it may absolutely be a lot of money because it will be in the six figures in most cases. But when you consider all the licensing, the schooling, the overhead, the time, um, I, someone did a study at one point that showed over the lifetime, teachers actually make more than doctors if you consider it all. They did a huge breakdown, and I don't even remember where this was, so I can't point your listeners towards it, but it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, and with reimbursements going down, doctors definitely do not make a ton of money anymore, and they can often make more, a lot more money in a non-clinical or non-traditional career. And that's the case for many other professional degrees, as well as in the military. Um, so I think it's a pretty well-known fact that uh, military jobs don't pay as much as civilian jobs in many cases. Well, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week on CyberTalk Radio. And uh, my last two cents is don't go it alone. Uh, whether you're going to work with Michelle or someone else, uh, get someone to help you through this process because this is a big decision in life and uh, you want to make sure that the second time that you are headed running towards something. Or the third or the fourth time. Yes. Yes.